Today, I am honored to welcome my friend Kelly Holland-Dazaro as my guest to talk about using essential oils with animals. Kelly is a licensed massage therapist, a registered aromatherapist, and a certified clinical aromatherapy practitioner and certified box flower practitioner. Kelly has been blending essential oils with advanced massage therapies since 1988. Kelly specializes in clinical aromatherapy, Asian healing arts, reflexology, Reiki, Qigong, and acupressure for people and their animal friends. Kelly is the Vice President of the National Association of Holistic Aromatherapy and the Naha Director of North Carolina. Her passion for aromatherapy has led to the creation of Ashi Aromatics Incorporated, Kelly's own line of aromatherapy products. Kelly and her husband, Marco, an acupuncturist, own and operate Sacred Mountain Healing Retreat, a holistic healing center in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. You can learn more about Kelly and her work by visiting her website at ashitherapy.com. That's ashi, A-S-H-I, therapy.com. Welcome to the show, Kelly. I'm so glad to have you join us to talk about your two passions, aromatherapy and animals. Thank you for having me, KG. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, good. Kelly, how did you first start using aromatherapy with animals? Uh, well, I've been using aromatherapy and essential oils, buck flowers, um, for over 20 years now. And originally started out using them actually in high school and making my own products for skin care and holistic health and natural health care for myself and for my pets. Uh, just got into researching, uh, reading books and studying, and then went on later to study with teachers. But my real passion is uh, working with animals. I always wanted to be a veterinary mm-hmm. um, physician, but mm-hmm. couldn't get into the surgery and blood aspect of it. So mm-hmm. I thought, what better thing to do than work mm-hmm. with massage mm-hmm. and so it's your yeah. calling. It sounds like it's just a natural extension of your way of being. Yeah, I love animals. Yeah, yeah. So uh, humans and most animals have similar olfactory systems. So what's the biggest difference uh, between humans and animals with olfaction? Right. Kelly. Well, with animals, um, they're much more sensitive um, to smell. So it's very important when you're working with um, sense especially essential oils or the ones that are much stronger in aroma, to be respectful of the animals that you're working with um, and include them in part of the choice mm-hmm. program of working with the oil mm-hmm. and to um, use safe use of essential oils um, by way of not um, putting them right directly into the nostrils or near the too close near the nose area. Um, as well as not using any mm-hmm. unsafe applications of, like, you know, using essential oils meat to the mm-hmm. spine area or mm-hmm. techniques like that. Um, you want to be mindful of them because even though they have an intuitive voice and we can watch their body language, and especially if you're working with your own animals, you're going to be more in tune to them versus if you're working with, you know, a client's animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you need, you need to be aware of safe use of oils and mm-hmm. not um, aggressively using them. Because mm-hmm. we wouldn't stick essential oils up our own nostrils, but yet 
a lot of people will think, well, that would be the easiest way to put mm -hmm. it right by their nose, and they really, a dog could probably get it off easier than a horse could, mm -hmm. you know, using their paw or whatever. Yeah. But um, they have to be careful with yeah. that because of their olfactory system, especially like dogs, like how they can pick up on the scent mm -hmm. of something. Mm -hmm. um, yes, they're very super sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Horses and are very sensitive to smell. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually, I guess it's more like an old country uh, wise, wise tale or a horseman's tale, and I, I think it's accurate um, that once a horse smells you and knows you, it never forgets you uh -huh. uh, for the rest of its life. So, so strong so memory. Yeah. yeah. Scent so is very associated like with the memory. Fleming, the Fleming is like called the Fleming response where they kind of curl their lips mm -hmm. up, and that's how they take in the scent. So you can work with that too, of how they're reacting when you're using um, smell mm -hmm. with them, and their how their ears move, mm -hmm. you know, forward and back, and body language and things like that. So you mm -hmm. want to be aware of those um, things because they. So there's they really power in in uh, in listening to the animals and getting right. feedback. Right. It's just like with working with people, important to be mindful of. Not everybody, you know, likes the smell of lavender. Right. So if you're working with people individually as individuals, you do the same thing with animals. So you can actually introduce an aroma to an animal and see how they respond. If they right. turn away, what kind of signal they give you. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's one that they really want. Because they will. They will respond if it's an oil that they are drawn to. That would right. be helpful. They'll be drawn to it and let you know. Right. Yes. So I think that's a, a really, you know, the uh, I've also it's also been called olfactory sensory testing or OST, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a fancy name for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. And of course, there are scents that you know people and animals in general don't care for. Like in particular, a lot of people don't care for tea tree. You know, the aroma mm -hmm. of tea tree, but yet it's so beneficial for so many different things. So if you're working, like say, with a horse um, that has brush or a fungal issue mm -hmm. in their hoof, you can very easily incorporate the tea tree, you know, a mild amount of it with doing like a hoof soak or mm -hmm. applying that, and it's not going to, um, they're not going to mind it as much because it's down by the hoof. Yes, they'll still smell it, but, right. you know, you, at least you know you're using it for a clinical therapeutic benefit mm -hmm. as well. But when you're working more with an animal, when you're wanting to balance out emotional issues or, or past trauma or abuse issues that may have manifested physically, mm -hmm. that's when you want to be more in tune to the particular smells because mm -hmm. the smell can also bring good memory. Or right, memory. Mem associative mm -hmm. memories. Right. Yes, yes. So you've used aromatherapy for a variety of health concerns with your animals? Right, yes. Okay. Well, uh, have you you've used it? I know... Um, uh, that you you love your dog. You have wonderful uh, dogs and 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 horses uh, mm -hmm. that you work with. You already mentioned that you've used tea tree for for right. treating thrush and and working with uh, their their hooves. What what was going on with their? You want to tell us a story about working something our right. well, listeners would. Yeah, my guys have been lucky, especially up here in the mountains. That thrush isn't as common here in the mountains. It's more common. Um, which is interesting, almost the same thing with people, too, with, like, foot fungal mm -hmm. issues. They yes. seem to be more common in um, moister, hotter climate, you mm -hmm. know, like Florida, South Florida or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you 
see, you know, I used to live down in South Florida, so I would work with a lot of horses, um, and I would do the equine massage, and quite a few horses down there would have um, thrush issues. And you've been successful using essential right. oils with? Yeah, there's a, a lot of the antifungal oils, and again, like when I teach my... Um, what are some other ones you've used besides tea tree? Uh, lemongrass. Mm-hmm. Um, thyme. Mm-hmm. Uh, patchouli. Um, you know, so, oh, and also... Now, do you uh, use it in dilution? Mm-hmm. You use it in, dilu- in some sort of a yes. dilution? Right, I always dilute. With, and what's your, what's your favorite carrier, like working? Well, it's different with the animals because you can't um, often use oils because it will just make them too greasy and then mm-hmm. they're turned out like a horse all the time. You have to be careful of sun exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I mostly use with um, horses and dogs is aloe vera gel. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also like to use the jojoba base, too, because that isn't as greasy. So I use that a lot more for topical application for massage. I'm doing the acupressure massage. Mm-hmm. And use the aloe vera gels more for, like, hoof care, mm-hmm. uh, wound care, um, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is, is be specific, even when I'm teaching my classes and telling students when they're working with their animals, start off with one essential oil so mm-hmm. you don't overwhelm right. the animal. And then you see, did it work or didn't work? Cause just mm-hmm. cause what are some of the signs of toxicity or overload? With toxicity or overload, well, it's different for each person, just like it is for each animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not trying to put animals into a category, because when you're working with horses, it's totally different than with dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, like using tea tree as an example, even though it's such a common, um, well-known oil, just like lavender, tea tree can be very easily tainted or old or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's and it has been known to cause some allergic or um, negative reactions, in particular with animals, in particular dogs. Mm -hmm. I had it happen to one of my dogs in particular where I went to even just use one drop of tea tree on a hot spot. Yeah. And um, she started panting, really heavy, heavy panting, throwing herself on the carpet, Mm-hmm. Her, well, that's her a definite sign that. Huh? <laughs> that's a definite sign, yes. I would say. <laughs> and she did, it wasn't even put anywhere near her mouth. Yeah. We're talking like down the end, you know, by her tail, and she yeah. didn't lick it, and yet she was throwing herself all over and then rubbing the insides of her gums, like you know, on the carpeting and everything. Yeah. And it took about an hour, so it was, it was almost like you know having. Um, a severe allergic reaction where a person would feel so bad that they almost would want to take a Benadryl. So yeah. you have to be careful with that. And then, with and again with horses, what you might see more quickly because their skin is so um, thin and close to the skin, uh-huh. you'd probably see um, welts uh-huh. that would come up, mm-hmm. round welts. Or um, now you've used aromatherapy with animals quite a bit, right? Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's not a common. I mean, sensitivities or reactions like that aren't that common, right? It's um, well, not with me because I use safe oils, but yeah. I have had, um, like with a lot of students I've worked with or people that I've, you know, have worked with who have maybe experimented by themselves or they had somebody else come out who maybe wasn't trained and used a technique that wasn't safe or used too many oils. 
Um, sometimes I'm dealing with that where I have to restart over and re-educate, you know, that yes. less is best. So uh, much less, especially with animals. Pound, yeah. Because you're working with a 1,000-pound animal doesn't mean that you're going to use more oils. I mean, right. you might only need one drop. Right. So right. it's being very specific based on safe use and working with the, you know, the therapeutic properties of the oils and and then the, you know, the health history intake, just like you would for a person, and being yes. very specific, and then educating. So, you, so you would generally have people uh, want to to uh, uh, speak with an aromatherapist before using the oils with. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, and I do a full history health history intake, and mm-hmm. I look at everything holistically. So I look at the big picture, and because I have so much eclectic training from over the years, you know, I can look mm-hmm. at it also from a, a traditional Chinese medicine aspect and see where it's connected, um, the meridians and what's going on and why something's happening. And I really like to empower the client so that they can be part of the animal's um, healing process or mm-hmm. if they're just using it for preventative measures or they just don't want to use um, products that are full of chemicals because mm-hmm. in the animal world... Um, it's just now becoming popular, you know, mm-hmm. semi-popular to use quote-unquote natural products, but a lot mm-hmm. of the natural products that are out there are not all 100% mm-hmm. natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so it, yeah, um, if you take time to read ingredients on products for right. your animals, you know, so just flea repellent or shampoo, mm-hmm. um, more and more now you are seeing that they're conta- containing some form of essential oil. Right. So, and um, I like to tell people, too, that not one oil fits all, which is mm-hmm. what happens when people have not true aromatherapy training or um, they just think, like, again, using tea tree as an example, that tea tree is used for an antifungal, but it might not be the right antifungal for, say, you know, if you had three dogs and maybe one dog it was great, but the other two dogs had an allergic reaction to it. Yeah. So you have to, you want to do it, in my opinion, more clinically and more safely working one at a time. And I haven't, as far as toxic overload, one of the only things that I have heard of was a woman who had um, somebody come and do um, the raindrop therapy Uh on the horse um, several times, I think like 10 or 12 treatments. And the horse wasn't feeling well. And the owner herself wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Um, so they both were semi-toxic, and yeah. so and and some of that is from um, second person too. So I haven't gotten to speak to the person directly, right. but that's just a common sense um, thing. Where whether it's that technique or another technique, you just don't want to overload using too many oils, you know, all at once. Yeah, because animals are extremely sensitive with their sense of smell, but their skin is also very sensitive, yeah. too. And then they lick a lot. So yes. They're going to right away go smell it, put their nose right in it. So yeah. it's going to go right on their nostril area, and then they're going to be tasting Yeah, they're so very in touch with their their senses, right. you know. They're more, you know, very so sensuous. <laughs> yeah. It's important to honor and respect them and when you're working with them and just go slowly mm-hmm. and um, over time, if you have, you know, positive results, they really enjoy it, and they actually will acknowledge you as like, oh, wow, here's that lady with the oil. Yes, it can actually be a bonding, part of a bonding experience. Yeah, they will associate with you. 
Yeah, so uh, what essential oils, have you used essential oils to help soothe your dogs and horses? Because uh, they, you know, I know dogs and horses, they can, they can get anxious, they can get mm -hmm. depressed. You know, right. So. Well, my guys are pretty, pretty mellow. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but but you know, probably just naturally incorporate a lot of things into right. your daily life, you know, that has right. a calming, soothing effect. You know. Yeah, my guys for years have tested been the testers for me. Yeah. I say that my horses have the final nay instead instead of the final say uh -huh. on product. Um so they're they're accustomed to that and like that, but when you know, um when we had gone through our recent um trauma of them being stolen and yes. recovered, um one of the first things that we did when when we saw them was rebound with the scent of smell. I had anointed oh, myself with the oils and mm -hmm. um, re-anointed them. And, oh, wonderful. You know, yeah, I used the oils to calm them down. Because and which were, ones did you find most helpful? Did they have um, the well, ones I made that a, they... I actually made my own blend, called, mm -hmm. and I called it Animal Whisper. Um, I used it to get through the whole trauma to be focused on... Mm -hmm. um, working with doing mm -hmm. all kinds of things from animal com intuitive communication to being focused and, you know, for my own self with anxiety and um, mm -hmm. fearfulness and all all the apprehension and everything that went along with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yeah, it was a very traumatic, I remember that period, right. you going yeah. through all that. Yeah, because they're my children, you know, my horses are like 25 years old and I've yeah. had them, you know, for a long, long time and they had never been separated, so that was yeah. another issue with working with the smell and the sense of smell with the oils and then with the boxwax. So that was very helpful for the right. healing. that To bring them back together with yeah. their, their own selves, too. So what oils did, were, did you find most helpful? The most Well, the most helpful, what I put in the blend, too, and what seemed to be the most helpful was uh, frankincense, mm -hmm. uh, neroli, uh -huh. and lavender. Oh, wonderful. And... Um, a lot of those because of their use with, you know, intuitive work and um, opening up communication, lines of communication, and neroli is really good for anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, also the fact that neroli is one of my favorite oils, so it was one that I usually often would have on me, so my animals yeah. would associate that yeah. with me. So that yeah. was another thing was rebonding re with the association through smell. Yes. Um, because I wanted them, as soon as I saw them again and they were, we were able to have physical contact, I mm -hmm. wanted them to be able to smell that to say, oh, wow, I'm coming home now. Yeah. So through the whole, you know, ordeal and then with, you know, even, even all the time that has passed, I've, I've used a lot of oils and developed more products for other people mm -hmm. based on what we went through because I had to do something positive yes. through that. Yes. And so that's how I can say, you know, that I use oil for emotional stuff, but I've helped other people with, um, you know, animals that they've had issues with, in particular dogs that have a lot of fear of uh -huh. lightning uh -huh. and thunder and loud noises. And um, So those, do you think those same oils or other those oils? Those same oils, lavender in general, I like to teach people um, the real, you know, especially if it's somebody who is not really quote, wanting to be an aromatherapist, but they're just wanting to know for their own self. Yes. And they may not really um, 
take it on 110%, but at least they'll use it when they think of it. So mm-hmm. I always like to start them at least with lavender so yeah. that they, because they can use it for so many things. They can use it for the emotional aspect, mm-hmm. the physical aspect. Mm-hmm. And then we might introduce an orange oil, mm-hmm. just like treating the dogs almost like children with working yeah. with little children and just working with lavender and orange first. Mm-hmm. And then going from there based on, you know, did their, was their dog, did they get their dog from the beginning or did they adopt the dog from the Humane Society and they don't know maybe it's past history or maybe they do know the past history. Mm-hmm. And if we do, then we try to work on unpeeling the onion layer of where did the original fear and all of that come mm-hmm. from and mm-hmm. use oils mm-hmm. to help with that as well as the boss flowers. Mm-hmm. So did your horses have, did, did you sense they have very much trauma? Did they get mm-hmm. over yeah. it pretty quick or... No, <laughs> it took a while. Um, I, I with my gelding, um, he always was um, used to being around a lot of mares and the mares being, you know, in control kind of thing. And it was almost like a role reversal where he became a little bit more aggressive and not in a negative way, but just more in a fearful way because yeah. some people that are fearful you will see it manifest as in anxiety. Yeah. And if you just go boo, they come out of their skin. And other people, you'll see them become more aggressive. Well, yeah. His fear went more in a very, like, stallion-like kind of, right. oh, i got to be in charge. And when we right. introduced him to my mayor, who came home first, um, it was a very interesting reintroduction because she went right up to him and took him all around the field and basically did a dance with him and he mimicked everything she was doing um, oh. and showed him where everything was and then but uh-huh. then because she always used to be in charge yeah but this it's been reversed now he's more like in charge wow and um that's interesting they both still have semi-separation anxiety yeah it's been a while too it's now. been two years yeah. or so yeah just about yeah so it's I, I cannot separate them like if i wanted to take her out and take her down to the field or go yeah. riding or something, he would have to come along or be yeah. somewhere where he could see her because he would yeah. he'll get very upset. Yeah. And she's a little bit more um, tolerant, but then she would get worried as well because when mm-hmm. she was waiting for him to come home, our friend um, put her horse in with her so that she would have a friend because horses are herd bound. Yes. They, they're used to being in a herd. And dogs, too, like a lot of people, yeah, they're pack animals. Dog, they don't realize dogs really like to have a companion, whether mm-hmm. it be a person all the time or whether it be, you know, another dog friend. So oh, yeah. that's really, but otherwise I think everything else is pretty um, calmed down. My, my mare seemed to have developed some hormonal imbalances, which she mm-hmm. didn't have. Mm-hmm. And you I think it was from the stress? I don't, we don't really know. Because that would affect the adrenals, definitely, mm-hmm, that, yeah. you know, yeah, we, and we the fight-flight with the hormonal response and all. Yeah, so it definitely with, could. Right. We work with a traditional vet as well as a um, holistic vet that does homeopathy mm-hmm. and things, and um, both of them felt that, you know, it's probably definitely from the stress. And then whatever wherever she was taken or exposed mm-hmm. to as well, too, um, so I used a lot of oils for hormonal balancing, mm-hmm. and I made her her own blend. And oh, and was that helpful? Yes, and I 
call it Stampede Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it really says it like it is. And a lot of mares in general, because you wouldn't, you don't get your horse, you would get your gelding gelded. You know, you'd normally be a stallion and you would get them gelded unless you're going to be in the breeding business. But you don't go and have your your mare spayed. It just doesn't really happen in the horse yeah. world. But so they do come into season, you know, regularly. Yes. So they can be really sweet or they can be real, you know, um, real merry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so know, she's or, more balanced now? And Yeah, she seems to be more balanced. Um, so that was traumatic, too, mm-hmm. you know, helping her through that. Yeah. But, um, I just, you know, worked with the oils with that, too, and they love the oils. Mm-hmm. So really oh, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. That's what I've heard, mm-hmm. you know, with people who have animals who have used aromatherapy and also been very mindful to listen to their animals and take time mm-hmm. to introduce the oils, you know, and allowing the the uh, animals to, to have that power of selection. Right. You know, to, you know, the olfactory sensoring testing or whatever, you know, that you right. get you watch the animal to give you feedback about, you know, what to use or, or to, to back off, mm-hmm. you know. Right, because so in, the, in the wild, they're very, they'll do self-selection as yes. well. Um, and especially if you, you know, even if they are like with horses and you have a pasture area, if they need to go and do a detox, they will eat um, the dandelion. Yes. And uh, or and red clover in particular, that herb is helpful mm-hmm. for cysts, for ovarian cysts mm-hmm. and detoxing. So it's mm-hmm. interesting because you'll see them grab some of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or and it's also high in um, uh, calcium too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting in dogs. A lot of times people will think their dog or cat is sick because they're going out and eating the grass, and really what they're doing is accessing the chlorophyll. Yeah. Sometimes they do need to vomit. So. The grass is what is making them, you know, cleanse the body. Yeah, it's really so good for the liver, you know, and detoxification. Right. And yes. then they'll roll, and then they're getting the pollens on them. So sometimes they're getting mm. the pollens that way, and they, you might even see hives come up from the pollens, too. Mm-hmm. So you can use the oils for so many different things, and if you're in a full-season area where you go through all the seasonal changes, you can even do preventative um, medicine, like, you know, just keeping your immune system strong through the winter, and or if you need to warm them up if they have arthritis, and mm-hmm. or if you're working with emotional issues, or like if you're dealing, like when I wrote a recent article about the death of our one dog, that, uh, Teddy, who transitioned, and how we used oil to anoint his body um, for a ceremony, as mm-hmm. well as um, cleanse the area and mm-hmm. help Maxine to deal with her grief. Of yes, you helped buddy. it. For, you used the oils for creating a sacred resting mm-hmm. place for Teddy. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's so many different ways that people um, can use the oils to help themselves or pets and mm-hmm. the environment, and um, it's, it's very simple but powerful, you know, mm-hmm. tool for people to use. So you've, you've used antispasmodic type oils for, like, pain relief or mm-hmm. stiffness, right. things like that. Right. Like, you like using sweet marjoram? Yes, I love I love that oil for, like, a muscle rub or when mm-hmm. I make a natural liniment for the horses. Um, I might use, like... Yeah, I find it well tolerated compared to mm-hmm. some of the other, you know, oils that are used as 
you know, for pain relief, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a nice, it's it's a nice one, and um, for muscle spasms or if you if you're real active with your horse and mm-hmm. you need to do a muscle rub down afterwards, or if you have a dog um, that's stiff, and then you can get real specific with the other oils if they have arthritis, which a lot of animals develop just like people. Mm-hmm. And if you want to warm up the arthritis, if it's more an osteo and it needs to be warmed up, or if they're exhibiting, um, even though I haven't heard of many cases of the rheumatoid with animals, but they they can exhibit where joints and areas can almost be swollen and red, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in a... Um, what are some other oils you use with that? Um, ginger, yeah. warm up. Ginger, I use a very, very little amount maybe of the black pepper. Yes. Uh, the spike lavender, mm-hmm. uh, juniper, mm-hmm. so those are good. What about cypress? Yeah, I've used that more for circulation. Yeah, it's highly astringent, so it really does help with circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really good for like a, a leg brace for horses because their their legs are very um, thin and they don't have a lot of fat on their legs, mm-hmm. so their circulation isn't as potent. So if they end up getting like a hoof injury or they become lame or have mm-hmm. laminitis, you want to really increase that blood flow to the hoof right. area. So you do a soaker, massage. Right. Cypress is a great one. Yeah, it's that. great in compresses, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. soaks too, but right. uh, I've yeah, used I do a, a lot, lot of, of cypress compresses. Yeah, I do a lot of compresses with animals and uh, acupressure specific treatments mm-hmm. um, like that and then doing like the aloe vera gels and then like using more of the mist sprays for energetic work or releasing, you know, mm-hmm. negative energy and things like that. Mm-hmm. The chamomiles are great to have on hand for wound care with them as well. The Roman and the German chamomiles. Right. Yeah. I like the Roman better, personally. Um, but they they seem, most animals that I've used them on like it. And they, I like to also empower people to have a few oils on hand without overwhelming them, um, having to spend a lot of money as well as not overwhelming them of what should they use for what. Mm-hmm. But they can use lavender and chamomile and, you know, use those for relaxation as well as muscle issues or mm-hmm. wound care. So they mm-hmm. get a lot of multidimensional use out of them. And that seems to work well for more of the inflamed arthritis mm-hmm. also, or the chamomile, the marjoram. Yeah, well, that's an anti-inflammatory. It's got yeah. a strong anti-inflammatory action. Right. So, so does the lavender, but the chamomiles, I, I really, those blue oils, you know, right. also um, are really strongly anti-inflammatory. So, right. yeah, so, um, so uh, what do you see as the future of animal aromatherapy? Do you think there's a real place for aromatherapy uh, for animals? Uh, absolutely. I hope in, I mean, I was working with one student who does volunteer work in uh, the Humane Society, mm-hmm. and I was saying to her how wonderful it would be if every Humane Society was set up with a, a professional diffusing unit, if anything, mm-hmm. and they could educate the volunteers and the staff how to use it mm-hmm. uh, for different levels, mm-hmm. as well as you know, as when the when the first animals come in instead of yeah, because I would imagine there is a lot of anxiety and nervousness mm-hmm. about what's going on and what's going to happen and where right. am I and yeah, they can use it for the emotional level as well as the quarantine issue, yes. um, the health issues, and mm-hmm. just. Um, 
and it would be so much, you know, since they're on such a uh, tight budget and things like that, I mean, it's so much more affordable. Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely think that people can be empowered. Wow, I just had this idea. What a great research study. Oh, sure, if you could yeah. find a, a humane, you know, a, some, a, you know, a shelter or something that would be open to, mm -hmm. to doing a, a, a study to, to right. find out about aromatherapy, right. uh, using aromatherapy. Well, she's hoping to do something like that. I've talked to her about that, about giving us, you know, feedback mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get um, some, you know, positive input about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that, you know, she was introduced to the oils in a safe way. what is so, out there. Yeah, so I think just like with people, too, it's important to have safe use because what happens is if you have negative use or have something negative happen in particular, more so with animals because people are so, um, love their animals so much and are so Yeah, and you're, you're responsible, them. exactly. Well, it's like a child. Yeah, and if something so. happens and then, they, you know, it's reported to their vet or something like that, it can give the wrong impression that... Yeah. Oh, you know, that's that's just, you know, foo foo, potpourri smell yeah. or you know, be careful, you're not using a bunch of perfume on your pets or something of that nature instead of them realizing that it's a, a natural medicine that can be easily used as as long as it's used safely. So yeah. and I do feel um that there is a place for it for the lay person to use it for their own pet as well as people that work professionally. Who are the people that you would recommend people read for a little bit more information about using aromatherapy with their pets? Well, there's and several animals. books um, that I recommend, and um, some of the main ones are written by Carolyn Ingram, mm -hmm. and, you know, the founder of Animal Aromatics, and she worked very specific with just animal selection, allowing the animals to select. Um, yes. She also teaches about that, and she has um, two books out. One is the Animal um, Aromatic Workbook, and, the other, and it's a very good book. Um, and the other one is it's a smaller book. Um, I think it's, a, it's called Aromatherapy for Horses. Mm -hmm. So that's very specific to horses, and it's great because it has some images in there of horses' body language with their Oh, ears. wonderful and their eyes and how they respond. Oh, yeah. And that was one of her first books, and the Animal Aromatics was, like, built upon, mm -hmm. up, you know, above that one um, to include that. And um, I also like uh, Kristen Lee Bell's book, yes. Holistic Aromatherapy yes. for Animals. Yes. I like that because she includes a lot of safety data in there, in particular about the tea tree and being yes. careful with that. Um, yes. Yeah. 
So those are good books. There aren't a lot of them out there. Um, on the those topic. are all great ones you named. So, so those are good ones for people yeah. to start with. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, you know, and and just being careful, you know, what they read on the internet, you know, and just starting with their own yeah. their own path and working, hopefully, under the guidance of an aromatherapist yes. to learn about it more. Yeah, at least to have somebody you can consult with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I would like to hear a little bit more about uh, how you've used uh, aromatherapy for helping to deal with grief and loss of your animal friend. Okay. Could you tell us something more about that? I I think sure. you know, but you know that is a, that's if you have you know a lot of times we do you know have the loss of our animal friends. That's that's a common thing that. Uh, people go through, and so how can aromatherapy help people deal with the loss right. of their animal friend? Right. Well, it's a very sensitive um, topic for a lot of people. Some people don't even want to talk about it or they ignore it and think it's not going to happen, but eventually it does, whether you lose, you know, a loved one, parent, uh, friend, or your best friend, which is your dog. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty traumatic. Um, yes. And there are a lot of people that really, really, really love their pets, where and some of them consider them um, to be their children. Yes. And there are people that that are don't think that at all, and just think, well, it's just an animal. So there's different levels. And one of my reasons for writing the article that I did about Teddy was to write it um, in the beginning from a perspective where even though it was included in aromatherapy journal, I knew most people would know, okay, this must have something to do with aromatherapy, but if you didn't and you were just starting to read it, you would think I was almost talking about losing a loved one or a friend, mm -hmm. you know, a human. Mm -hmm. And I wanted people to get from reading that, that I was talking about my dog, mm -hmm. so that they could get the profound effect of how painful it is for um, most people, you know, to lose a pet. Mm -hmm. And um, aromatherapy, you know, is a big part of it, again, because of the freakish thing that we went through with our horses. I was able to work, um, move right into working with those oils um, mm -hmm. to, like, uh, clear the energy, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the space um, with, at the same time, honoring him. So it wasn't like you're clearing it out to get rid of it. You're just mm -hmm. clearing it so you can be more at peace mm -hmm. and honoring, um, going through whatever emotions that come with grief, which there's so many, and you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. And basically what I tell people is that there's no set time um, on grief issues. Mm -hmm. um, in America, we seem to be like rush, rush, rush. Everything's about emailing and getting back right away and quick phone calls and, you know, not so much about quality, peacefulness, meditating, being peaceful, going through the emotions. And mm -hmm. for some people, they might move through it quickly, and other people, it might take a very long time. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with either one of them. But for most people, they feel strange or they'll feel guilty if they don't have a friend or somebody to talk to that can relate to that as far as it being an animal. Mm -hmm. They'll have people around them that will say, oh, God, you know, 
get over it. Why don't you just go get another dog? Or, mm-hmm. you know, or they'll even have a friend that... Well, there's so many, me- you know, there's so... It's, I think... Yes, there's the memories that you've shared with your mm-hmm. with your with your pet, with your with the whatever dog, whatever it is. Right. Um, but a lot goes with that. There's a lot of memory tissue that can come mm-hmm. that's associated with all kinds of other things. Right. You know, that you will take the the opportunity to uh, that will also come up. It's not just you know, it's not like compartmentalized, you right, know. Right. That's not how the soul, the psyche works, you know. Right. And so it, it is like a roller coaster where you just go through into all kinds of peaks and valleys. And, and so if you've had a lot of, yeah, if you've had a lot of opportunity, I call it, to be graced, to have a lot of wonderful animal friends come into your life um, <laughs> over time, it, it changes you as far as your preparedness to deal with the transitions because I have lost a lot of pets um, because I love animals. I've had so many of them, and some of them have been in my life for a long, long time. So you have to look at that issue for that person. Was, was the pet there through X amount of years and went through a lot of traumas and ups and downs and wonderful things with that person that mm-hmm. they can relate that animal to those times in their life or was mm-hmm. it a pet that just happened to come into their life at a certain time when they were going through something mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the, the pet transited transition mm-hmm. so there's all these different um, multi-dynamic yeah, the whole, exactly. um, connection where you may actually find yourself later reminiscing about a pet based on holiday or something like that. Yes. So it's yes. just like you would if you lost a parent or a friend or a loved one and you're having those issues come up, you can work with them as they come up and and I like to work as well with Chinese medicine with um you know grief in particular mm-hmm. deals with lung, the lung meridian, yes. lung energetics and so respiratory yeah, because a lot of people mm-hmm. will be crying um, so much and then start mm-hmm. choking up. Frankincense, I think, is one of the the right. oils I've used for grief and loss. It's, it's one of the best ones. I write in my article that if you can work with one oil for grief, it would be, mm-hmm. for me, I would say it would be frankincense. Mm-hmm. And eucalyptus is, I call it, the, like the breathe oil. So mm-hmm. it gives you the opportunity to remember mm-hmm. to breathe. Cypress oil can actually be good for grief and loss, especially with men, I found. Right, right. You know, yeah, I don't know if that would be true for animal, male animals. Right. <laughs> you, know, if you, you know, if they're, because sometimes animals also go through grief and loss when they, you know, when they, you know, exactly. like you say, they're pack, and so if one of their, mm-hmm. their, is a part of their family, you know, they can actually right. go through the um, grief and loss of, you know, a member of their pack, you know. Right, so. yeah, because I wrote about, too, with the story how um, Maxine, you know, was witness to Teddy's transiting. So mm-hmm. she was very sad and, um, you know, was crying, basically, if you want to say that about an animal, over his body. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, she had just been recently diagnosed with diabetes. So yeah. he had become what we noticed almost like her seeing eye dog because her vision was changed uh-huh. and I write in the article to open up people's eyes to looking at things differently was well was uh, 
was her diabetes really her picking up on him already knowing he was transiting or it's very interesting or was then yeah. all of a sudden did her vision change because she did not want to look at the fact that her friend exited and then I say well regardless of whether it's physical emotional or spiritual those things are there and there's mm-hmm. some that's how you can look at the big picture of things and mm-hmm. then help your pet that way mm-hmm. and um you know, when we anointed him, you know, she was there for that. So mm-hmm. I used the oils. Uh, I put a little bit of oil on her as well. Mm-hmm. And then I anointed a lot of his um, toys uh, to put with him. And then I uh, used, um, I kept some of the ones that that he liked and gave mm-hmm. some of those to the barn dog. So I mm-hmm. felt that was a way of giving back to mm-hmm. other animals. Yeah, um, is she still missing him? I think so. Uh, yeah. She will go outside, actually. I call it like her little power spot. She goes up on this one hill part and where he's buried, and she will go over there sometimes. Yeah. So I've, and I, I do feel, um, regardless of what people say, because um, I've experienced this twice now with two dogs where I've actually heard after they've transited um, their toenails on the floor. Uh-huh. Like their spirit is still there. Yeah. My one dog, Kaya, that... She died so quickly within 48 hours. It was very devastating for me. I she would come up to the bed every morning and take her tail and go dunk. You would hear the tail dunking. Right. Dunk. Well, right. the next morning, almost for like a week, that would happen. Wow. And so, regardless of what anybody says, I mean, it's like maybe that's their way of still hanging around and because they want to make well, sure I've you're okay. I've heard so many stories. Of I think it's us that get so you know, traumatic with the loss more so than them. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they want you to be happy. Yeah. They want you to go on and be happy. Yeah. You know, so, so they're concerned. You know, and, and then if you see, if you have other animals, you can see their reactions. Now, Maxine had lost two friends. She had lost Kai and then she lost Teddy. And each time that I sent these, their energy there, she did as well because she'd look up and look. Mm-hmm. So they had mm-hmm. to have been there, but oh yeah, um, they're they have a very strong sixth sense. Yeah, she um, I think she's good now, but I I do think that she definitely misses him because yeah. they were. Does she buddies. hang out with any of the toys or anything that were? Did he have anything that was specially no, his or anything? She, it, actually, what was kind of sad is that she she used to kind of play more before, and now yeah. she don't play. Yeah, you know, so yeah. Well, that's a sign. <laughs> Give her some special TLC, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been very um, challenging, too, with the fact that she has diabetes. So yeah. that was, I took that on um, in a holistic standpoint. We give her Chinese um, herbs and yeah. it's insulin. So, it's so the quality of her life is? You know, you're helping with the quality of her right. life and, and extending, awesome probably. Because she gets a lot of supplements, a lot of herbs. And yeah. I cook, I've, I've always cooked for my pets for, like, over 20 years. Uh-huh. I've always <laughs> done holistic food and yeah. all that for a long, long time. So this was all, like, kind of second nature to me to do that. But so what I'm doing with the situation is using it as an opportunity to log it all and mm-hmm. keep track of it all to help other people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've... I, my husband and I went back and forth of whether to get her a another friend dog, yeah. you know, a companion. But at the same time, it's 
um, a lot of work what we're doing with her, just like if you had a child right. that was on right. that was insulin dependent. So um, we just felt that well, if it happened, it would happen yeah. naturally because he yeah. seems to be like the Pied Piper here in town, and right. the because Teddy and Maxine actually followed him home one day. So yeah, that's just how animals kind of manifest. Yes, <laughs> yes. So people can really. Um, use oils for all grieving um, experiences, whether it be a pet or whatever, and um, they can even use the smell of the oils if they were using the oils with their pet or loved one prior to them transcending, they could use that same oil then to reconnect with them afterwards. Yeah. Like almost like a memory, like using a picture. Yes. You know, to have that good memory. Right. And use the smell for a good memory, um, you know, um, emotion to help release a lot of those um, feelings because I think it's important that you feel them. Yeah. um, And move through them. And honor them because if you just keep stuffing them down, it's not good to have that manifest in your body. Yeah. Stagnant chi. You know, it's not good. And then yeah. what's interesting, and it's a whole other topic, um, but a vet friend of mine and I were talking about this a long time ago, about um, the fact that animals, whether they, whether or not they are absorbent-type sponges for our stuff. Yes. And there's a lot of people that say, no, that's not the case. But, I mean, it's almost like plants that are in your environment, and they're taking the carbon monoxide and turning it into oxygen. It's yeah. like, how come so many animals have manifested? so many human-type diseases. So that's a whole other subject, but I think that they are very in tune to our emotions. They're very psychic. They're very attuned. Yeah, we're very depressed or sad about their buddy. They're going to pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they just, you know, I think they do absorb energy. Absolutely, and, and that's why and it's good to do space clearing. Or yes. if anything, I tell people, if anything, if you don't want to get real specific with the oils, you can even just make a simple mist spray. Yeah. Mist well, the astringent oils. I find the holy oils. You know, the ancient mm-hmm. oils like any, the sandalwood, the frankincense, right. spikenard, myrrh. Those and the astringent oils, the peppermint, the lemon, the cypress. Those astringent oils that things can't stick to. You know, those kind of oils, you know, do really help to keep the atmosphere clear. Right. Yeah. So, and, you know, aromatherapy is great anyway for uh, keeping as air freshener, you know. For, Absolutely. Yeah, for keeping the, the air, you know, free of uh, toxins and that sort of thing. So, well, it's yeah. been wonderful talking with you. Is there anything else you're feeling uh, you want to share? Anything I haven't? Any questions I haven't asked or anything you're, you're feeling you want to talk about? Well, I think we kind of went over quite a bit. Just just the two things, too, like how people that do um, animal massage or mm-hmm. Reiki mm-hmm. or intuitive animal communication, how they can use the oils as part of a tool, you know, the toolkit for mm-hmm. taking their work a step further, mm-hmm. as well as, like, with humane societies mm-hmm. and hopefully and sending, like, people home that foster the animals as well as doing adoption if they can empower them through the oil. Um, yeah, it could really help with bonding. Exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, it could and create just, good memories and help right. with them with getting over the trauma of having been in a, you know, in a shelter. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just taking it to that level in a safe and practical mm-hmm. way is just very, um, I just feel hopeful mm-hmm. about that. Um, yeah, I, want, I love that inspiration. I'm going to take that with me, you know, about uh, uh, using aromatherapy in shelters. You know, I'm going right. to take that because I know people who, who are, you know, actively involved in shelters and all, and uh, I'd love the idea of doing some sort of a, a research study. We right. need more research, more right. documentation for aromatherapy. So, right. Um, Especially with the Humane Societies, a lot of times you don't know their stories. So mm-hmm. the aromatherapy is a way to open up that channel yeah. um, just by um, almost telling their story. It could be very fascinating to work with oils and see if you're working with an animal that is kind of traumatized but you don't know its story, mm-hmm. but you know there's probably some kind of abuse there or whatever, you can use the oils to open up with that and see which ones they really like and pick yes. and see if you can unfold and tell their story. Yeah. And move the animal forward because one of my favorite people to watch and learn from is Caesar Milan, the mm-hmm. dog whisperer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I love his whole thought premise of, you know, that he um, trains people and rehabilitates animals. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the animals that their stuff is really from the people. Um, uh-huh. The animals are neurotic from their owners and or they don't get enough exercise and how animals are in the moment. They live in the moment mm-hmm. and they can move forward quickly. They yeah. don't stay stuck. And I agree with him 100% on that, but I have also found as well that animals do remember stuff from the past. So, again, mm-hmm. it's like... Oh, yes. Very definitely. A lot of people, a lot of animals have that because the person keeps remembering it, and I, I think that's true too. But what about the animal that is adopted from a shelter that you don't know its past trauma, so yeah. you can't be the one thinking it, unless your thoughts are based on how the animal. Well, if it only happened one time, but if it's a recurring thing, right. then you know definitely he's going to have some. The the animal's going to have some memory of it right. because it's you know it's like the whole with cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, it's the repetition. And then using an oil to move through that would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I've seen him on a show one time where he used food Mm -hmm. as a way to move a dog physically forward. Mm -hmm. He tapped into, it was a dog, it was a a hunting dog, Mm -hmm. and he used that tool, the sense of smell, to move the dog physically forward. Mm -hmm. And it it got me thinking, like, well, what about with using oil? Of course, of course. Using food sense, you know, using food sense as a form of aroma therapy, you know, versus essential oil therapy and moving an animal forward mm-hmm. out of something like working with horses that have fear issues about being trailered and just holding... Oh, I think aromatherapy because of, of its direct connection into mm-hmm. in thr- through olfaction into memory for being able right. to, to retrain, you know, recondition patterns. Yes, right. definitely. Co- in cognitive behavioral therapy, I, I think it's... I was talking with Scylla, you know, uh, about using it... Right. Uh, you know, like with autism, right? You know, and uh, you know, they. I think it's. I think it's a wonderful idea. So, 
All right. So if that's that's all, I think uh, I'd just like to thank you for joining us, Kelly. I'm sure our listeners will benefit from the practical and very useful wisdom you've shared about animal aromatherapy. And I encourage all of our listeners to please visit Kelly's website to learn more about her and her work at oshitherapy.com. That's Oshi, A-S-H-I, therapy.com. Well, have a beautiful day, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye, Kelly. Bye-bye. Bye.